ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. All right, let's talk uh, about the issues concerning costs of living for seniors. And tonight we're going to explore some critical issues affecting our senior community, ranging from concerns about the rise of a cashless society to challenges in aged care and the escalating cost of living. A recent report from the National Seniors Australia Organisation and also challenges brought attention to these worries, revealing that many older Australians are increasingly anxious about the rising cost of living. A significant number expressed concerns about depleted savings, underscoring the financial challenges they currently face. Now, the delayed release of the aged care reform reviews also on the agenda as concerns rise about what direction that's going on. And why is it being delayed? Many suggest that it's being delayed for political reasons ahead of the March Dunkley by-election in Victoria. Now, the review could propose that uh, wealthier uh, baby boomers be asked to pay more for aged care as part of the sector's shake-up. So that delays heightened uncertainty about details and you can imagine uh, anxiety as well. All right, um, with the closure of traditional banking practice too, there's a whole lot of issues in and around how senior Australians grapple with and engage with the financial system too. So we're joining joining us to, to talk about this tonight is Chris Grice. Chris is the CEO of National Seniors Australia. Chris, good evening to you. Welcome to Nightlife. Good evening, Phil. And firstly, if I may, offer my sympathies to those folk and Victorians, a number of seniors that will be obviously impacted by uh, events of today. Absolutely. Um, And I guess there's two things that really are going to sort of um, uh, have an impact on tonight's conversation. One is the weather and uh, and the availability of cash at these sorts of times uh, where you've got outages. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Yeah, I I totally agree with that too. And uh, and, and indeed, sympathies... uh, and concern to everybody in Victoria at the moment, affected by this huge numbers of people. As I say, emergency broadcasting um, in in the team in Victoria will be breaking into this program across the night, try and keep you up to date. Tell me uh, this whole issue of uh, of the cost of living. I mean, cost of living is an issue across the board. I agree with that, of course, of course it is. But it's also of particular concern for older people at the at the moment. What's the number one concern? Do you think? So I guess the sort of overarching issue is that uh, older Australians that are especially retired, uh, their income is fixed. Hmm. Um, there's no variability. And yet uh, we're seeing situations where you've got these um, spiralling costs relating to energy, uh, to fuel costs, and in particular groceries. So it's sort of like we're not talking about, um, you know, sort of things that are um, uh, discretionary spend. These are sorts of things of just a daily life the costs are going up, but their uh, their income is fixed in terms of either pension, or um, or or, or um, you know the beneficiary of uh, whether it's term deposits or other investments that they might have, it's fixed income, and that's the challenge. Hmm. I mean, thus it was ever so, Chris. I suppose, but the the spiralling cost of living, particularly in the last few years with rising inflation, is of particular concern. Isn't it? I mean, there'll be older Australians who remember high inflation periods back in the eighties. Uh, and and then, you know, the inflation demon seemed to have been uh, slain for for twenty years or more following that. But uh, the recent, you know, the recent uh, experience with it probably hasn't has unsettled people. I suspect. Yeah, and I guess um, I mean I'm fortunate or unfortunate to be around at that t- particular time at that uh, economic period. And and I guess what's unprecedented today is that the the number of increases that sort of are washing through. 
Mm. Um, that there seems to be no gap, and and also even seeing if it's not a, not increases, it's shrinkflation as well. Mm. Is that uh, you know the the dollars just you're not getting as much value these days when you're doing your shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What well, what are the specific areas you think where rising cost of living hit older people the, the hardest? Well, in particular, uh, gr- groceries, just uh, basic food, um, meat. We're, we're uh, hearing experiences from uh, from our members that uh, you know are basically having to really cut back on uh, on foodstuffs that you know the cuts of meat that they have. Uh, very, very basic, uh, just simply that they, they just can't afford to, uh, to, you know, spend what they used to spend. And, um, and many of them are just sort of having to just go to just basic staples to, uh, to just, you know, on a weekly basis. Hmm. There's none of that, none of extravagance these days, uh, regrettably. Hmm. No, exactly. Exactly. Uh, older individuals are trying to navigate budget, budgetary challenges. Uh, what are the, some of the ways do you think that they can, uh, help themselves here. I guess um, you know a number of things that, in particular, where they've got no control of are things like insurance, mm. um, and and obviously the the weather events that we saw in Queensland recently, and also what's going to happen in terms of the flow and effect from what's happened in Victoria. Um, they're these sorts of costs that you know many of them are having to sort of cut back on insurance. Uh, you know, and, and they're making savings around sort of, you know, um, well, do they do they um, basically just, you know, have building cover? And we, we don't encourage that sort of thing. Uh, no, it's a good point. It's a good cover. point, actually. It's a good point, actually. I mean, insurance is one of those things that, you know, probably once upon a time, your building's insurance wasn't regarded as a major household expense. But, you know, depending where you live now, it can be, it can be almost unaffordable. Exactly. And in particular, there's some regions around Australia where you've got the challenges of flood or cyclone. Hmm. Um, But, you know, and even from the point of view of health insurance, um, at a time when health insurance uh, is so important as you get older, um, in terms of, you know, trying to stay out of the public system, um, many of them are having to cut back on, on the cover, go to basic cover and or just, you know, dropping their health insurance completely. Hmm. So the health insurance is one in which that they're, um, they're making they're making a saving in terms of cash flow, but uh, in the longer term, it's it's sort of uh, having an impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're getting several texters. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the, going off. <laughs> the baby boomers uh, have got enormous stashes of cash and secure housing, and they don't have a problem. They're in a far better position than the younger generations. Look, we're not pitting one against the other here. We're, we're not suggesting that that uh, that senior Absolutely Australia, senior Australians are. <laughs> You know, uh, worse off in this regard than than others. We're simply highlighting a, a part of the community that faces particular concerns. I think I'm sure you'd re, you'd, uh, inf- you'd you'd underline that as well, Chris. I would, and 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 I guess it it is unfortunate commentary that we're sort of seeing that where this sort of pitting one generation against the yeah. the other, mm. and and I guess that uh, you know that there is sort of uh, they are baby boomers. I guess are much maligned in some some quarters from the point of view, but many of them are contributing to uh, society. They're supporting uh, younger families in terms of providing care. Um, I think uh, only recently Alan Kohler on on, uh, ABC TV um, uh, mentioned a stat in terms of new home borrowings, first home buyers, and a big contribution in terms of that support to get into first their first home was through the the bank of mum and dad, hmm. and one would one would think well that's that's coming from a contribution from uh, from baby boomers so that's 
you know, so that they are um, they are look, yeah, look, let, let's go harder here, Chris. Baby boomers lived and worked hard and paid tax and did everything else as well. You know, I mean, they lived in different economic times, and in the same way, the current generations coming through will look back and have their own economic experiences as well. Exactly, there, and there really and just paying, is no need for name calling here, is correct? There? And and they're paying fuel excise. They're paying GST. Paid very high interest rates on their loans. (laughs) Exactly right. So they continue to contribute. And and I think that, you know, from from our perspective, from a national senior's perspective, the Mm. the commentary uh, is not helpful in terms of, you know, when we look at these sorts of cost of living crisis, it's a a societal um, issue, not just uh, one particular cohort. No, no, that's true. And look, the tax treatment of of housing, I, I agree has resulted in the equation for buying houses for younger people today uh, a very different matter than it was for many people of an earlier generation. But that is not the fault of those who, as I say, who worked hard and and uh, saved to buy their house. And you know, you can lay the foot, you can lay the blame for the the lack of tax reform in this area at the feet of government. I think, can't you, Chris? Well, a number of things in terms of uh, successive governments, whether they are dominated by the colour red or the colour blue, mm. uh, have have kicked the can down the road. And, and aged care was a prime example of that. And, and that's really what ended up with the Royal Commission was because successive governments over many, many years basically had, had, uh, had kicked it down the road. And, and I guess in some respects, tax reform is probably one of those similar things. Mm. G'day, Amber. Hello. Um, I think we're pitting both ends against the middle, really. And um, I think um, with the young people, they're facing casualisation. You can't get a loan while you're working casual. The banks won't give it to you because they want you permanent and full-time. And um, it's very difficult. And a lot of baby boomers um, aren't rich. They might have a home, but they're struggling to live day-to-day because um, a lot of them are living on their own now. Hmm. And that's, you know, helping with the kids and the grandkids. And I see the women pushing the strollers of the little ones and in my street. And um, I think both ends against the middle. We've got, to, we've got to improve the tax system for everybody. And I think um, it's, too self-reliant, it's too reliant on income tax. Yep, that's a fair observation. Thanks, Amber. One three hundred eight hundred triple two is the number. Hayden from Bridgewater in Tassie, I suppose. Is that Hayden? Hello. Up at Bridgewater, yes. Yeah. I'm a baby boomer. I'm seventy-four. Yeah. And I, if I remember, Kevin O'Seven gave to pensioners about a hundred dollars a fortnight rise. This rise river got. I think, my opinion, the politicians with their lurks and perks, are getting too much money. Give it to the pensioners. I think they're ripping off the pensioners. <laughs> it's hard to live. I'm a baby boomer. Yep. It's very hard to I've survived. I'm, I live by myself. I'm doing the best I can. Do you own your own place, Hayden? I do. I, I was lucky to get a housing department home at Bridgewater yep. in, uh, in, in Tasmania. And uh, now I own it. Yeah. But I've got me registered. I've got me insurance. Mm. I've got me rates and taxes. Sure. All that sort of stuff. Hydro. I'm still battling. Yeah. No, I. I think now a lot. I've got, now, I've, now I've got cancer. Yep. I'm not doing good. Too mm. good. All right, Hayden. I mean, I understand that, and a lot of people would uh, would have sympathy for you, as we do, and also would say, yeah, I agree. We're in a similar situation as well. 
Uh, we're talking with Chris Grice, who's the CEO of National Seniors Australia. Chris, can I ask you about this aged care reform review? I mean, there was a big inquiry into aged care reform. The government uh, was chaired, I think, by Annika Wells, the aged care minister, wasn't it? Yes. And, um, uh, well, I've, it's been completed, but the government's not released it. It appears to be sitting on it. Uh, why? So probably uh, for for the listeners, we should sort of go back very briefly and yeah, let's just explain how so. yeah. how yeah what's happened. So mm. so basically, the uh, just nearly four years ago, the the Royal Commission and Quality and Safety, uh, as far as aged care was concerned, kicked off. That's right. Um, One hundred and forty eight recommendations, and uh, and and basically, um, we're now down to I suppose the pointy end in regards to there's about thirty three of the recommendations that actually actually require an act of parliament. Mm-hmm. And so at the moment, uh, what's happening, there's a review um, of the final, what the, the uh, what should be approved by the government. Uh, they're trying to get that across the line in July. Um, there's been a number of, I guess, uh, changes that have been made to aged care in terms of they've developed a, a quality and safety commission. Uh, they've put in place an inspector general of aged care to oversee the system. Um, they have introduced a new uh, aged care rating system and, and also tens of thousands of packages. So I, I'm, I'm no way um, sort of, uh, you know, you've got to sort of, I suppose, in some respects, give the government a, a bit of a bouquet there. Mm. But at the same time, it, we've got to see it to the end. We've got to see it through. And there's got to be uh, protections for whistleblowers. There's got to be a, a process of, of actual um, uh, people can have a, you know, genuinely complain about complain about the situation. And so, yeah, they have gone very quiet on the funding uh, have you issue. Have you had a look at it, the, the review? Well, from the point of view that the, the recommendations uh, haven't, from the, the, uh, the, the panel that was put together to do the review in terms of funding, mm. uh, we provided submission, as did a number of other organisations. Sure, I'm sure you did. Yeah. And, uh, and, and obviously because this is something significant, the funding of aged care, because I think it's, what is it, uh, currently about $30 billion to fund aged care in Australia, and I think the government funds 97%, I think it is, of mm-hmm. aged care. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, uh, the in the intergenerational report, I think it was, they were sort of saying that that potentially will blow out to $60 billion in 10 years. And so this is why this whole review around funding um, is, is very important. Yeah. And, and it's likely, I mean, we're sort of seeing as far as the Act is concerned, that was uh, the 16th of February was sort of the closure period for... Uh, uh, the draft of the new Aged Care mm. Act, but that looks like that's now been extended to the 8th of March. One of the things that distresses me in this whole debate, Chris, often is this idea that we as... Um, we're a wealthy country, where however we want to regard ourselves. Uh, There's uh, often scaremongering that goes around that we can't afford the cost of aged care. I mean, this is just not true. We can, can't we? Phil, there is absolutely no excuse why... We cannot look after Correct. our older generation. Exactly, absolutely. But, but you, you get this all the time, don't you? Oh, you know, our aging population. We can't afford it. You know, which exactly. I think scares a lot of people unnecessarily because it's just flatly not true. Correct. And at a time in which that people need to be supported, uh, it, it is a. I guess you would argue it's a, a human right hmm. to be cared for. And and I guess um, we were pleased to see that. I guess post the the Royal Commission, that so much effort had been put in by the government to fund um, aged care places at home, to allow people to age in place. Yep. So that was a, that was a, a, an absolute positive outcome. 
and and we were very pleased to see that. And a I move, think that's a, a move which saves society. which saves money anyway, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does save money. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a better are, outcome, but it saves money. Yeah. yeah, and and there's some complexity with it, but from the point of view of you know, in a system sense, uh, the longer we can keep people in their own homes uh, where they want to be, um, that that's a better a better situation. Hmm. I'm talking with Chris Grice, CEO of the National Seniors Australia. We're talking about the uh, cost of living, the issues concerned with aged care reform and the unreleased report and review into aged care, which the government is expected. I think you said, Chris, what, by June? You're expecting it? Well, there was. Uh, I know that the, the Prime Minister was very keen to have the, uh, the draft bill released and, and basically put before the Parliament uh, by, uh, by the end of June, yes. Hmm. So, so there's a, uh, I guess there's still a lot of work to do to get that panel beating into shape to have it ready, uh, ready in time. Hmm. If, uh, if that commitment, that pledge is going to be uh, honoured. What are we? What is that? What's the review going to say about the cost of getting into aged care? I mean, is it going to say if you've got money, then you need to fund more of it yourself? That appears to be. There's a number of, I guess. Um, solutions, potential solutions that were put on, on the table. But um, I guess it's an important point to make that really this has got to be basically um, that capacity to pay. It has to be underpinned by that. Hmm. And I guess that many organisations like ourselves have put forward a number of options around whether that's uh, to do with of superannuation, levies, um, even a form of means tests uh, for those, again, with that capacity to mm. pay, or even um, new concepts like insurance-style uh, policies as well, for, mm. in particular for self-funded retirees. Uh, these sorts of things were put forward as options versus just the, the normal way of just, right. uh, you know, the sledgehammer approach of just, well, let's just tax everybody. Summarise what the situation, can you briefly, what the situation is at the moment? If you need to go into, into, into care at the moment... What's the story? Uh, so basically, um, there's four packages uh, that are available and basically you need to be assessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite often that can be the challenge is, is actually um, you might be assessed, but being processed, uh, the government do their very best to fast track um, those assessments and, and basically get a package for you. But there are delays, uh, as there are other delays in the system in terms of just even getting, um, uh, trying to get a pension. And I know Services Australia have thrown significant resources at it, but it's just, it's one of the biggest issues that we, we continually get is that you, you just can't navigate the system effectively and you can't get looked after um, at these times you need it, like when you need a package. Hmm. Yes, no, we've talked about aged care assessment and aged care assessment teams in the past. And, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> of yep. people who've died before they got an assessment. Yeah, which is just, you know, you, that you, you cannot... But generally speaking, if you need to move into, into accommodation, aged care accommodation, what's the situation at the moment in relation to how much you have to contribute? So basically uh, you've got um, uh, means testing that sort of uh, does, does apply, mm-hmm. um, but basically um, it, it... What does it gets, mean? It gets down, gets down to your circumstances and in, in particular those that, um, you know, that... The, your family home remains out of uh, out of play in terms of the situation, which is which is good. Mm-hmm. So that's that's excluded. Uh, but you know there is uh, means testing that does apply in uh, in actually getting the package. And that means testing would 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 apply to what superannuation you have, for example. But would it base, exactly assets? Because I mean, most people don't have many assets outside their home apart that, from super. 
Yeah, and, and and if they had any other um, investments, like if they had investment property and things like that. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, obviously the system is designed to, the, to cover in particular those that uh, are more vulnerable and that's where the packages are geared towards mm. from a financial perspective. Okay. In, is the review expected to, to increase the amount that people would have to contribute if they do have available assets to get into accommodation? There's, um, I think the... Uh, on paper, um, that appears to be what's been flagged, but I think there's there's very much nervousness at the moment because at a time where you've got a, a cost of living um, crisis going on, um, it's certainly not very palatable with um, the electorate to uh, to sort of uh, start to turn the screws in terms of that uh, contribution wise. Mm. What, what, what what's the association think? What do you think? Do you think there is a, a case for requiring more? Well, I guess the, the thing is that, again, it gets down to those that have the capacity to pay. And the thing is that if, if we want, going back to what we were talking about before, Phil, if we want a system that um, you know, no one falls through the cracks and it is people do genuinely get looked after, we have to put more funding into it. And some of that will be government stepping up more. And in some cases, it may be that it might be a contribution by those, again, that have the capacity to pay. Hmm. How many people are you, do you think are missing out on on getting the accommodation they need because uh, they can't afford it? There would be um, there's, there still would be thousands that would be impacted by um, you know delays in getting a, yeah. a, a package um, as as they're like. I mean, if you've got no money, you don't, you know, you, it's not as though you're, you're not going to be accommodated, are you? Uh, correct. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, the 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 most vulnerable are always going to be those sure. hardship cases are going to be looked after. Mm. All right, Chris Grice is my guest. He's the CEO of National Seniors Australia. We're talking about the issue of uh, the cost of living and other issues uh, facing uh, the uh, facing older Australians, and a national review which is coming up. If you're listening around parts of Victoria. Uh, we're aware of the plight of many Victorians. Our emergency broadcasting team will be on the case to bring you up-to-date information. Let's welcome South Australian and Victorian listeners to the show. ABC Radio. You're listening to Nightlife. Nightlife with Philip Clark. Yes, well, we're discussing the costs of uh, aged care in Australia and what might come out of the National Review in uh, and Reform Review which the government will release uh, later in the middle of the year. Love your thoughts. Guest is uh, Chris Grice, CEO of National Seniors Australia. So, Chris, is there is there a ballpark figure as to what contribute what what percentage of your available assets might it might be it might it might be increased too to get you into accommodation? None of that actually, Phil, has been speculated at all. Right. Uh, there, there's been no talk of what the a possible contribution, and you know, behind closed doors, there's not, been none of that those conversations whatsoever. Right. right. I mean, the government's polling apparently suggests people are willing to pay up to forty percent of the cost. Uh, do you find that percentage reasonable? I think so, but I guess what's important is that there must be transparency hmm. in in those in any fees and charges. People are prepared to pay if they can see what they're getting for their money. Sure. They're, they can see they're getting good value, as with anything. They're seeing they're getting good value and then that, tra- that transparency. Then there's a more willingness to contribute if they have got the capacity to do so. And I think that's always been the challenge is that in the system there just hasn't been that transparency where it has been a sort of a user-paid contribution. Mm. 
Yeah, and as we saw out of the Royal Commission, I mean, you know, you can get yeah. yourself into accommodation and then there can be some appalling experiences and you really don't have much recourse, do you? Yeah, and that's where I guess many of the aged care providers at a point in time were, were very much hammered because of just the, those situations that occur in terms of the transparency around the, around the costs. Hmm. Robin says, am I missing something? If you have enough money and assets, why would anyone want others to pay for their care? And if you don't have enough money and assets, why would anyone not ensure that they have the same care? What's your comment, Chris? Well, I think she makes a very good a very good point. Yeah, mm. that that. Uh, I mean, in, uh, es- if, in essence, that's how the system is, isn't it? In, exactly in, to some degree. It, yeah, I mean, to a very large degree, actually. Yeah. Exactly is that uh, you know, like you, you haven't got people who are necessarily you know gaming the outcome to sort of uh, get themselves in a situation to um, get themselves in a poorer situation as far as aged care, especially if they've got the assets to support it mm. themselves going forward. And as we've said, the family home is not part of the asset. Correct. One three hundred eight hundred triple two. Marion and Lycos says, Phil, the package referred to you by your guest is for home care. You're asking about people moving into accommodation, different beasts. No, I, I do understand that. I mean, you would make that distinction too, Chris. We, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're different matters. Yes. Yes. I mean, getting assisted uh, assistance for living for, for aged care uh, with your costs and so on, living at home is part of what you get through. I think does every state call them an aged care assistance? Uh, uh, an aged care assistance team, but yeah, uh, assessment yes. team, yes, but pretty much, yeah. yeah. But that that I agree is different from from actually moving into wholly supported accommodation. Correct. Yes. Mm. All right. One three hundred eight hundred triple two is the number. Deb in Bacchus Marsh. Uh, happy to take calls here from and questions too. G'day, Deb. Hey, Phil. Hey, Chris. How are you going? Not bad. Good, thank you. I'm just one step be- behind your um, age range today. My husband and I. Uh, 67 and 64, and we are self-funded retirees. Now, what is really annoying me is that we get nothing. We get nothing at all. Everything is going up, 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 and we're watching our own investment for our own, well, his superannuation, because I'm not old enough, going down, 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 down by the month. Well, no, why is that, it going down? I mean, you should be getting a return, a positive return. We are getting returns, Phil, but the thing is, the returns aren't matching the cost of living increases. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose I'm doing a little bit of debriefing here, hmm. in as much as uh, my husband and I have worked for over forty years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've contributed. We own our own house, um, and and we're we're paying for our own our own retirement. Now, we, we studied and worked hard to get good jobs, but it just seems to me that everything is like um, an, um, a liberal philosophy in terms of it's all back on the individual. I can't actually say that over the course of our marriage, and we've been married for nearly 40 years, we haven't had very much help in anything. We've had to pay everything ourselves. Hmm. And what does that mean for us? We keep our house, you know, but what does that mean for us? If um, God help us, one of us had to go into care earlier than we anticipate. Hmm. What does that mean for us? I mean, we have contributed 
necessarily. Well, I mean, you Chris, know. you can answer this. I mean, to, to take Deb's point, I mean, if one of you needs to go into care earlier, Chris, what, there'll be an assessment and, and, and what will a- happen? Absolutely. Assessment will be done and, and, and obviously decision made to support uh, your care or, or your husband's care going forward. But you don't have to move out of your house, though. No, 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 I no. but then we, no. we, we did that ourselves. We actually saved and worked hard mm. ourselves, you know, and I'm not having, I'm not having go to anybody who isn't, like I'm, I've been a social worker for many years, so mm. I absolutely understand, you know, how difficult it is for people out there. But putting, looking at our own personal situation, I feel aggrieved at times because, you know, we, I'm not sure that we receive any support at all. And yet we've contributed just like everybody else. When you say you're not receiving support, what sort of support do you, do you think you ought to be receiving? Well, uh, um, we don't get any concessions on you'd medication. Get, you, you'd get seniors' cards, you would get... Well, he does. I'm only 64. Yeah. We, we, I just got myself put onto his mm. um, just in the last year. This is the first time, Phil and Chris, that mm. we have never had to pay for a medical appointment. The first time in 40 years, this is the first time that our medications are now 5 or $6. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Only because my husband is 67 and we are married. Hmm. Yep. All right, Deb, thank you. Um, th- I mean, so can you hear the frustration? Phil? I can. Yeah, <laughs> I can, Deb, yeah. Yeah, Chris, back to you. It's warranted. Do you think it's warranted? Or am I Chris? Being selfish? Chris, back to you. No, I, I guess that the, the thing is that, you know, where it's, it's a, well, put it this way, we represent a very broad church where you've, you've got pensioners, part pensioners, veterans, carers and, and self-funded retirees. And, and yet I, I, I can understand. I mean, you, obviously, it's, this is a platitude, but you should be very proud of what you've done, Deb, to be able to support yourself. Um, and But, but I, I can understand from the point of view of the, the government perspective. And there may be throughout your life there have been other ways in which that you've been able to get government support in, in some shape or form, not necessarily at the retirement end. It I might mean, be Deb, in some Deb, other end. Deb may have had, well have had free university education, for example. Uh, yeah, and I guess that that's in a, you know, easy for me to say, but it's in a system sense that, that mm. not everybody uh, is always access, access, accessing welfare, if you would call it that, um, mm. at the same time and, and in, in the same form. Mm. And, and I guess that's what we've got to look at, especially in the intergenerational piece as well, is that mm. Um, yeah, you, you've accessed different different forms of welfare at, at different points of time, whether that be childcare or aged care. Like it's it's at indeed, both ends. Indeed, and of course you can you can access Supra at age sixty four, of course, as 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 we know. Yes, and I think a senior a seniors card's available once you're sixty, actually, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and and it varies between states as well. Some are yeah. sixty five, some are sixty, and then some if you're working and and you know, part working and things yeah, like yeah. that. So there are some variabilities across the states because the seniors cards are issued typically by uh, each of the, the states sort of thing. Yep, right across Australia. Chris Grice is with me, CEO of National Seniors Australia. One of the other points uh, that the associations been concerned about is the is the growing uh, well growing <laughs> the out of control gallop towards a cashless society. I mean, these days, if you, if you can't run, if you can't organise, uh, if you don't have a computer and access to, to internet banking and, 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 you, and you, at the very least, can't operate a, a, a hole-in-the-wall machine, you're, mm. you're in serious trouble, aren't you? There's, I don't understand, Phil, why there is this 
urgent race to basically uh, what seems to be remove cash from circulation is that you know the government's already flagged that uh, they're going to drop checks by 2030, so yep. they'll be removed from circulation completely. Um, the government's got a lot of work to do, both at, you know, at state level in particular, that uh, they still issue a lot of checks um, with, for payments sort of thing. So, uh, I you mean, know, we that, probably should get rid of checks. I mean, fair, you know, that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess uh, they still have a place in certain circumstances that, you know, sometimes there's no substitute, in particular if you're doing property settlements. Um, I, I know that um, there's a number of... Um, uh, well-known lawyers uh, across the country that their lawyer firms are going back to on, on property settlements, you know, getting mm. checks because of the transfer and responsibility as to who puts it in the right bank account. Um, when you receive the check, well, it's your responsibility to put it in your own account responsibly. But when you're doing electronic transfers and, and there are situations where they get the numbers wrong and, and transfer the money incorrectly sort of thing. So, mm. Mm. Um, so there, there, is, there is a place for it. But I, I guess I'm more cons- I'm less concerned with checks. I'm very much concerned with cash, and and the. What the- are you suggesting though? Are you suggesting what that that the government should be backing cash more? I mean, it is a, it's legal tender at the moment. Although you're right, it's mm. uh, you can kind of see the horizon here, can't you? Uh, you can see the horizon. You can think, you know, I know what's coming. It's it's there's going to be a time when there isn't any cash. Yeah, and and weirdly, Phil, we, we're sort of seeing a situation where, like, I think it's something like you know, thirteen percent of transactions are. Uh, via cash, hmm. uh, but then when you survey the entire population, not just seniors, uh, the vast majority say cash is important and should remain. So there's a real disconnect in behaviour, and I guess from our perspective in particular, seniors are so much more disproportionately impacted by not being able to do transactions with cash. Hmm. But they can. Um, but they, I mean, serious, in all seriousness, though, you can... It's just a bit awkward. I mean, you can go to the post office and pay any utility bill with cash. You you can, and and I guess that the the banks had sort of seen um, Australia Post as a somewhat the saviour in terms of well they could close their branches and Australia Post could be the de facto bank in mm. the area. But now we're starting to see from a transactional perspective, you know, two dollars twenty being charged by Auspost to process payments. So there's this sort of just, well, it was all being paid by the banks to fund Australia Post do it. Now they're starting to include charges in there themselves. And and that's the thing I guess we're concerned about is that there's, there's this clip that's occurring. If you want to um, pay by card, for example, hmm. well, they're clipping the ticket every time. And I think it was a, uh, the average is about $140 uh, across the year in these little charges that uh, are on every transaction when you do it electronically. Yeah, but that's, they, because banks, that's because the banks make money that way. Once upon a time, banks used to make money on, on interest rate differentials, but they don't anymore. I mean, they make Correct. money through charges. I mean, it's just a – I mean, the banks are going to get you one way or the other, Chris. Yes. So yeah. I mean, yeah. there wasn't a golden time when the bank didn't get you. I uh. mean, they used to, but they used to do it in a different way. Are we in the midst – you know, I don't want to be – Mm. Harsh about this because I because I I fully get it. I remember dealing with Mum's reluctance to use a uh, a hole in the wall machine. Yeah, she used to get her she used to get her in the end out of desperation. She used to get her ca- her checks cashed by the local news agent. Yeah, <laughs> who agreed to who oh, agreed to? Well, she you know everyone knew everybody in the area, and he would just cash yeah. cash her checks. But but is it is it, is it just the situation? Is it just the case that we're in the middle of this? kind of technological revolution of a kind which post-war there wasn't really. The banking system with its cash and checks was really unchanged for 50 years, wasn't it? 
Mm. And and I guess that let's say if you didn't have to worry about cyber safety, mm. if you didn't have to worry about that on well one that you could afford a smartphone in the first place and and pay uh, to get a, a good quality plan, and you're able to manage a smartphone uh, effectively and and be able to navigate online safely. But regrettably, that's not the case. And the amount of scams that are out there, I mean, your listeners would, on a daily basis, that what they're getting in text messages, what they're getting, you know, online and what have you, if that, if, if we had a, a safe system in that regard, well, then maybe that might, have been, might be a different conversation, Phil. But I think at this point, um, we need to sort of maybe take a little bit of a breath. I'm not suggesting we've got to go backwards and sort of say, oh, look, you can only oh. transact by cash. But I think we've got to show business government um, and, and the basically, and the banks that um, cash is, should still be in circulation for some time yet. Yeah. Um, and, and, and whether that's a, a generational thing in terms of that, you know, uh, um, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever it is, but, but at least that that should be allowed to occur as opposed to it just what appears to be this handbrake's being pulled on uh, basically mm. being able to... I tell Just you cash. what, I reckon <laughs> once once you get down into the realm of small business tradespeople, blah blah blah, there's a whole lot. There's a whole economy based on cash. You know, well, some well, might say, "Oh, yeah," because that's you know they're avoiding avoiding the GST and so on and to other tax. Well, I don't know about that. You know, well, uh, the, the RBA was saying, and I th- and this is the challenge in itself. They mm-hmm. they sort between fifty odd billion and eighty odd billion. There's cash sitting there. What they and they use the expression hoarding, uh, that money was basically being, um, you know, kept at home, if you want to call it that, uh, and whatever the reason is for that, but, but there's still money there that that's, uh, but, but I guess, can you actually use it? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, texts, we're way ahead of the USA for money transactions, says my texter. They still use checks and bank transfers take overnight and they don't have a BPAY system either. Is that right? Okay. Phil, Phil, I even saw that uh, JP Morgan announcement the other day that they were opening bank branches and they were doing it en masse, yeah. uh, which, which was sort of, uh, and, and it was sort of, they, they had celebrated as being something um, revolutionary in the US that, uh, that a bank was actually en masse opening uh, bank branches because of, um, I guess, the number of transactions people wanted yeah. to actually um, interact with a, with a human. Yep. Well, as a number of people have observed tonight, actually, with all the drama in Victoria, mayhem with wind and and fire, that mm. uh, power's out everywhere. So presumably your ATMs and your bank transfers aren't working there as well. Led from Bankstown says, I was at a self-checkout today, 10 available kiosks, but only two received cash. Mm. Bloody oath, he says. I felt like a dinosaur watching all these trendy cardless cash walking past. Sorry to my fellow Melbourneites. I'm sure the ref force ain't working, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, in Lismore, when they had the floods, there were a number of the uh, local uh, uh, credit unions and banks and what have you, that mm. they had to chop a money in uh, and sort of set up these set temporary ATMs uh, in order to be able to allow that community to continue to operate and you, <laughs> through cash yep. because, um, you know, everything was shut down. Yeah, I th- look, I'm, I think you're right about that. I think, you know, this, I, I wonder, I, don't, I doubt whether it'll ever will be out. I mean, I know people think it's going to be, but... Mind you, there are plenty of retail outlets. That's right to say they don't accept cash these days, aren't there? A lot of, you know, coffee places and things like that, fast food joints and so on, yeah. say no, no cash. And, and this might be sort of small-minded, but what gets 
on my go to bed is that, um, you know, let's say you buy a coffee and you see the price up on the board. And uh, and then when you, you know, if you are using a card and then the transaction fee goes in, well, okay, mm. where's that in terms of the advertised price? And they say, well, that's an extra cost. Well, okay, is there going to be a charge for electricity and all the other incidentals as well that you that you want to add on as well? I mean, it sounds silly, but, but uh, yeah, it just seems unusual in terms of that they call that that particular transaction. Let's take some calls. Barry from Bassendine. G'day, Barry. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, I had a similar view to the last call in relation to aged care. My personal situation is my dad's in care. My mum's passed away. He's, he's a um, self-funded retiree. Um, and getting into care um, while he had, you know, um, you know, worked all his life and, um, you know, was means tested and all the rest of it led to a whole bunch of you know difficult decisions within his family around mm-hmm. division of assets and um, you know tax and all that while he was still alive. I mean, and um, and this is a guy who's worked his whole life, paid tax and all that sort of stuff. But we were forced to sort of have these conversations at the same time as uh, while we were also navigating my dad's health. You know what I mean? So. Um, because of the of, of the tax system and the way it works out, and then and then with me and my wife, I mean, we can't have kids, but we both earn over two hundred thousand a year, and so mm-hmm. we're considered high income earners. So we but, but we pay for other kids' um, childcare, and 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 we get penalised on these t- stage three tax cuts and that sort of stuff because we looked at this being you know or. You know, you don't, you, you can afford it, but you know the reason. Well, you're not why being you're not being you're not being penalised on the cuts, Barry. You're, you're not being penalised, but you're not getting as much. You're not getting as much as you were. That's a larger cut is because you pay more tax in the first place. Mm. You know what I mean? So, mm. so the idea if you encourage people to start a small business like my my dad did, and and worked hard, and then bought bought the house, and then provide our education and that sort of stuff. Mm. You kind of clipping clipping the wings of people who actually want to um, work hard and do their own thing and, and never get a handout from the government. I've never received a dollar from the government um, um, with regards to any welfare support or whatnot. And unfortunate, yeah, I accept unfortunate to be in that situation. But, but similarly, you shouldn't necessarily penalise people, especially when it comes to aged care, um, with regards to sure. um, okay. you know, their entitlements. Okay. Sam from Springfield. Sam, I think you're going to raise a point which has been a bit of a bugbear of mine and others here on Nightlife for several years. That is, why do pensioners get uh, slammed if they want to work? Well, this is exactly the point. You mentioned you want to help pensioners. Pensioners at the moment are being penalised if they want to work more than one day a week. Yeah. It's really outrageous. If pensioners could work more than one day a week, You'd have retired teachers coming back. You'd have retired nurses coming back. You'd have people working in retail. This would increase your labor productivity. People would pay more taxes and actually earn money for the government. Because at the moment, they're paying 80 cents on the dollar if they yeah. work more than one day. I, look, Sam, I, I, I and plenty of others listening to this program agree with you. Uh, Chris, from National, stay there, Sam. Chris Grice from National Seniors Australia. What, what does the NSA say about this, Chris? Well, that, that has been something that we took to um, uh, the, the last election. It was a key policy around yeah. allowing pensioners to work. 
And uh, and well, you're right. Is is that they? If those who we're not saying you've got to go back to work, but those no, are but in if a position you do, to, if you want to, yeah. exactly, you you should not be in that situation like Sam, where you get you know more than say two days a week, and then you're working for nothing. So that what, is no. What, what does the no government good. say to you? Well, well, I don't really get why. I, I can't see why they would oppose it because, I mean, what Sam's saying is right. I mean, it's it's more participation, it's more productivity, it's more tax revenue for the government and no skin off their nose. What What's the problem here? Exactly. Treasury can't get their head around it from the point of view. From their their perspective, they're saying, well, they're going to be missing out on, on revenue. But the thing why? is the people why? aren't working. Exactly well, they're, they're, they're right. That is exactly the point. Revenue. Sorry, Sam, go and on. They do, and, sorry, and they do it in New Zealand already. Yes. At the uh, moment, nobody is going to work for, to, to lose 80 cents on the dollar, so they don't work. If they're allowed to work for 30 cents tax, which is quite reasonable, they generate revenue. They then spend the money, which generates uh, revenue for the economy. And there are no losers, only winners. And the only people who don't seem to understand it is, I don't know, maybe the press should say something. Maybe a political party should say something. Exactly, Sam. When a pensioner works, you don't have to go out and get him a new home. He already lives here. I agree with that. Um, and, and Chris, in a way, I don't want to bend this example too much, yeah. but the government already give you preferential tax treatment if you're a superannuant, for example, and you're, you know, you've accepted, you're, you're, on, you know, you're taking a super, whether it be defined benefit or other scheme, and then you can get a, and then you go back to work, which you're allowed to. Uh, you know, you don't lose any tax benefits off your superannuation that way. So, you know, the government, the government does allow you to, if there was any notion of double dipping, that the government does allow you to double dip in that sense anyway yeah. through that system. I, I don't get it with, with uh, pensioners. I, I really don't. I thought, I think, you know, and Sam's right, a lot of people who if you want to stack shelves or help out at the local school or be a, be a teacher's aide or, you know, even go back teaching or, or whatever, gee, the system's crying out for these people, nurses, I mean, or nurses' aides. I mean, Heaven's sake. I mean, Especially in, in aged care, the gaps in there. Well, look workers. at aged care. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, we've got gaps there in terms of workforce. And I, I guess the, the, the government had allowed, with through the work bonus, yeah. uh, they had allowed an additional $4,000 uh, in addition to the 7800 which basically you could earn before you're penalised. But from our perspective, it's just let them work. If they want to work, then they just pay tax. Is the best way to do it and pay a fair rate of tax. Are you going to get any movement on this out of the government, do you reckon? It just keeps, you know, that they're, they're sort of what I would call relatively token, um, mm. you know, response in terms of the work bonus. It should be, I guess, in a similar sense that, I mean, New Zealand has a universal pension. Yeah. Uh, so regardless of situation, you get it. And if you want to work, do extra work, well, then you just pay Good tax. Luck to you. Good luck to you. Yeah. Exactly right. And so there's a lot to learn and a lot to like about um, what they do over there. Exactly. Because it makes, it, sim- looking makes for- it makes it simple. Yes. And it's very good. And it's, it would be politically, uh, I would have thought, extremely welcome. Can't yes. see anybody opposing it. I mean, opposition not going to oppose this. Yeah. Why would you? You know, anyway. Exactly. Well, but it was, you know, it was the uh, coalition government and the Labor government still, um, yeah, both, both sides. And, and every time it's, they point the finger back at Treasury. So, I, think it's, um, I think it's bogged up down with some stupid double-dipping argument, which doesn't make any sense anyway. Yeah, anyway, Chris, we've got to go, sadly, but it's been terrific talking with you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks Good for the man. opportunity. Chris Christ, CEO of the National Seniors Australia. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.